0: Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of React Native Radio. Today on our panel, we have Peter Pye hey everybody. I'm your host, Nader Davit. And today as our special guest, we have Gant Laborde, and he is a developer at Infinite Red. Gant, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, so um, we're going to get into a lot of React Native stuff that uh, Infinite Red has going on. But um, before we get into that, can you kind of give us a quick intro about yourself and how you kind of got into programming?
1: Sure. I was with my... <laughs> I was the kid in high school who was writing discs to uh, disable Surfwatch and <laughs> writing programs uh, and just kind of like selling them and just love software from the get-go. Uh, I was doing it all through high school, college. Graduated, jumped into the field and just burned out. Absolutely. And then rediscovered, you know, what makes... What makes software so cool is working on neat things like React Native and things like that. So working on open source and passion projects is the way to go. Research back and coding for sixteen years now professionally, and just happy to be a part of the community and working with such cool stuff like the things released by Facebook and React, etc.
0: Yeah. So I guess did you end up? You said you went to school and you were kind of doing software in school. Is that what you majored in?
1: Oh, yeah, so in high school our our biggest major was typing. <laughs> we had a computer lab, but it really wasn't like anything you could do there. There was no computer team or anything, so I played games and messed with all their computers and probably drove them crazy <laughs> and i had a uh, you know we had a bunch of friends and we worked together to build this little network in a shack. We called it the Hack Shack. Uh, And we were playing Quake 2, things like that. And then when I went to college, I was like, all right, I have to actually finally take all these math classes that they say I have to take. And um, I actually barely made it through. Uh, So I graduated with computer science, but um, it took me a while to actually realize uh, that that degree was useless.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't say completely useless, but okay, no. I know what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it opens some doors, but I mean, the majority of the people I work with, and uh, additionally, the most intelligent people in computer science are usually uh, the, just the people who are really breaking ground. They don't need a degree behind their name, and I think it's a fantastic craft for that reason exactly. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, sweat on your brow, and how much you actually are passionate about it that really makes a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I would say like, if, uh, if I had the opportunity to go back and, and have I actually gotten my degree, I would have totally done it, but I wouldn't say it's actually held me back at all, um, so.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is like I, I'm working with people and it really is, your you know, your contributions, to your GitHub, what you can do in the real world is worth way more than that printed piece of paper that I've got hidden in the corner over
0: there. (laughs) I guess uh, we'll go ahead and start getting into some React Native stuff. So I know that Infinite Red, yeah, you guys have uh, put out um, something called Ignite and um, I've been taking a look at it and playing around with it and it's been around now for a couple of months. Can you kind of go into um, like how you guys, first of all, got into React Native at your company and then kind of what um you know made you guys build, ignite, and open source it?
1: Yeah, so uh we've been a mobile development shop for a while now, especially geared around open source. We were, you know, a big force to be reckoned with, with uh, not many people used it, but uh Ruby Motion, we were, you know, we helped put on the conference in San Francisco. Um and then we additionally we had a bunch of speakers in Paris. We've definitely been doing mobile design for a while but you know we have a deep passion for kind of doing something that's going to be cross platform and sort of clean uh I'm not a fan of objective c I write the worst objective c of anybody I know uh and so I mean I can read it and I can write it but I'm never proud of what kind of objective c code happens as you know, when Swift came around, I was like, man, maybe I need to just drop Ruby and go after this, uh, because I can actually read it. But then you have things like Android, now Microsoft getting into the game, um, however much they actually are going to be a player, we'll see. And so we were working in the mobile field quite a bit, decided, hey, um, this thing, this React Native thing's not going away. It actually looks to be, you know, pretty intense, actually native cross-platform, I said, all right, well, you know, let's take a look at what's going on here. So when we started dealing with React Native, getting involved in that, we said, all right, it's a big shift because we've got this really strong um, interaction and contribution set. Uh, We were doing the dispatches, like the newsletter, everything for Ruby Motion, which is like what we were kind of dealing with. And a lot of people might have heard of it, but it's closed source, and as many tools as we built for it, we actually did investigation on React Native, and I said, "Look, we need to get into this field as well." And it's been insane. So, like the Ignite project is what happened to us because we we love open source. And then as soon as we jump into React Native, there's like no <laughs> there's no information on how to start. They give you uh, an index for iOS and Android, and they're like good luck. <laughs> There's a lot of opinions out there. And you've got to figure out which ones you want. Uh, whether you're going to be going with Redux or MobX, etc. And then back when we started, Flux was still kind of a play, right? So uh, we had to make yeah, all these like I'm still,
0: like, uh, I'm still um, <laughs> working with some older projects that have Flux. And it's not very fun after working with Redux. I mean, um, it's oh, I it definitely works. and it's And it's a great thing. But um, after using Redux, it's just a whole nother you know, level of ease.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're kind of in that. And that's the thing, right? You've got all these articles that people wrote, and they're, they're antiquated so quickly. I mean, React Native releases like every two weeks. So it's a little bit difficult for anybody who's trying to get into it, just to sort of discern, you know, what's signal and what's noise. And it's almost all noise. And so we needed a place to get all that information together. Because, uh, you know, we've got uh, 20 developers. So just because Gantt understands exactly what you're supposed to do in this code means nothing. It means I've got 20 lessons to teach <laughs> to a bunch of other developers to be like, okay, well, we have to do this. So we went, you know, of course, the natural way of open source and said, hey, you know, we've always kind of done open source. It's a great form of best practices and documentation. Uh, this before Snowflake, I just want to say that because Snowflake it was beautiful and it kind of came out and a lot of people take their flavors from, you know, Snowflake and we have differing, uh, we have lots of different opinions uh, than Snowflake and uh, these other kind of uh, releases. Now, you, you know, we have uh, React Native Starter Kit, They've got their own opinions, get pepperoni. Uh, I know you had that gentleman on last time. And he spent, what, like two weeks really just getting all the opinions for the company, right? He has the same exact problem. This was a problem that happened. And what we do is um, we have sort of... we. This is our live documentation. But at the same time, um, we decided to go ahead and make generators on top of it. And so that's our trick now is that we're moving towards generators so that you can get those best practices that you know everybody's sort of agreeing on, if you take a look at our uh, our issues, one of the funny things that happens is there's like do you need this? Should we add that like it's almost all discussion threads overall, and uh we're just constantly working on it and kind of building this sort of opinionated but uh easy to apply platform and that's what sort of birth ignite after we had months and months of uh, everybody's opinions together in one hand we're like we need to put this all together in a way that we can apply to every project from here forward
2: i kind of love the way uh things sort of grow and become right yeah um, i think one thing people should like if there's anything that they pick up from this conversation too it's that there's problems you know and then the community just is coming up with ways of solving those problems right it takes time to come up with the right solution. Right. And like even with the Ruby thing that you were talking about, right? Like it got to a certain point. It was great, you know, but React Native sort of took things to the next level too. Yeah. You know, it solved an even greater problem that, you know, others haven't really been thinking about, you know. So it's kind of cool to see the progression of where things are going. And it just makes me more excited to see what's to come. Uh, later on. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: and that's the thing, right? Rubyists and JavaScript developers historically don't get along. <laughs> it's been one of those kinds of like, okay, well, you know, do we really want to go down this route? And we decided, I mean, it was, it was by far really just so many advances. Um, the the we're, We want to become more functional, right, in our functional programming kind of ideas. They're coming in from Redux, and we implement a few libraries. And there's always been sort of like this, you can do functional stuff in Ruby, but the JavaScript community is really wrapping around that. Just like at the React Rally conference, uh, I was there with uh, Nader, and one of the talks is Dr. Boolean talking about how we are applying math now. Yeah, all those classes from college, (laughs) we're applying that much more strongly towards programming. And it's just, uh, it's really great, you know, being in the field for so long, still being passionate about it. I'm still learning hand over fist. I'm, I'm still learning every time I talk to a new developer who brings something in. And that makes my work really exciting. And I love it.
0: So as far as Ignite goes, what kind of opinions did you guys bring to the framework that you maybe didn't see anywhere else or that you're doing differently? Or maybe just in general and why you kind of made those decisions?
1: Well, I can tell you this. Um, one of the real idea masters of what's gone into Ignite is uh, when I first got thrown into the mists and just trying to identify what's up and what's down. I, I had another developer who I really uh, respect his opinion, Steve Kellogg. Uh, and he's, he was sort of in the same base. And so we would meet daily. For hours. What are people doing? What's open source? Did you find this? And did I, you know, what's existing out there? And um, we've made some decisions together. And now we have tons of people who are really kind of uh, coming along and bringing some really intelligent decisions. We made decisions that have really started to pay off. Uh, For instance, Steve decided that we should bring in sagas early on. And he wrote one of the most popular blog posts on sagas anywhere. I mean, I, I hear people all the time when they're like, hey, I started looking at sagas and your company's website came up and, you know, all this stuff kinda happened. It's because his blog posts where he's, he said, uh and they also, you know, we saw it at React Rally in this past time where, where we were trying to identify a problem at the end of the talk. They are like, oh, and there's this thing called sagas which solves all these problems. <laughs> and uh so I feel like uh, there's quite a few decisions that that were made for one uh, we love sagas for our flow control um, that helps the whole redux process because you know at the same time we 're building products for people, and so we see these real life problems happen instantly so the solutions that best fit them are the ones that we're saying this is a very dynamic, a very powerful kind of thing, so uh, this tool we want to go ahead and kind of Boilerplate it for future use. Um, we have a nice wrapper around Axios uh, for for our API. We um, sort of our folder structure is opinionated, <laughs> and that's a funny thing because there's just no folder structure. I mean, if you come from the world of Rails, where it's a, a place for everything, everything in its place, and there's a structure that's constantly set up. When you get dropped into a brand new React Native project, you have one folder, you know, and two files. I think, I mean, it's been a while.
0: Yeah, I was totally going to ask you about folder structure because that's something that I've uh, kind of, I still haven't really come up with an exact best practice because uh, I've tried so many different things and they all seem to work, but maybe not exactly as well as I would like them to be working or you know depending on the project things kind of are different you know so i would love to hear kind of you your what you guys take on the whole folder structure thing is
1: yeah we've got i think like when you create a brand new ignited project you get about i mean you get over 10 folders right off the bat and it's it's really really good cuz we've reapplied this uh from project to project to project and um it's it's kind of set a little bit around the concept of Redux. and I know there's a lot of MobX fans, but um, the smart component, dumb component setup that's really working well, we're thinking about restructuring it just a little bit. But lots of the things that we, we talk about, they go into a thread and we just talk it to death like, what is the best structure for this? What are we going to do? How is it going to happen? And then so you can either watch, participate and be active in that thread, which we have a bunch of people we don't even know, show up to these threads just to go ahead and mark their opinions down. Or you can just sort of trust us and then say, all right, this is what they came up with at the end of it. Um, Okay, I see why they did that, you know, sort of, uh, we can work with what they did or, you know, I have an opinion they should have done it differently. Let me open an issue. And so like we're going for the best practice structure, but we've got uh, fixtures by default, which really help out um, any app that you're making that requires login or perhaps says only one person can log in at any given moment. The fixtures help out amazingly for those kinds of apps. Uh, our navigation structure is all inside of a folder. We have a very opinionated set of screens that you get for free at the beginning of it because we follow sort of like that atomic design uh, that you get from components. And we, we follow that same structure with the themes folder and like um, showing screens where your components are, is sort of a pattern library is set up. So uh, <clears throat> and then we have like sagas and services. Services will be like APIs, and uh, the way this is all kind of set up has been organically grown because our first folder structure was, let's have a folder for the app. <laughs> and and since then, we've kind of debated and brought it up to these, I don't know, like 16 or so folders. I would definitely say take a look at it. And I'm very open to Nader. If you've got an opinion on how this
2: could be different, uh, please let me know. <laughs> So given, given like a community like you currently have, how do you approach, you know, people and their opinions, right? How do, do you get like a, a lot of like assholes coming through saying like, hey, we need things to be done this way. And then there's enough of those assholes where it's like, ah, all right. Even though your <laughs> asshole will kind of go in that direction. How do you, how do you like balance that? Even as like a, a community manager, you know? Yeah, well, I can tell you this um, right now. It's actually a little bit more
1: like we're tech support. And we, we sort of smile and, and help as many people as we can. But we get a lot more people asking fundamentally basic questions because as far as... Uh, you know, If you're starting with a project, it's not that hard to come across this as a good starter app. Um, and people try basically everything that's out there. I think there's only three or four things. And they say, let's try all four of them right? And um, we generally have quite a few people who like our themes, like what we've shown them, and start to settle in on us. And then what happens is they start asking us questions that have nothing to do with the (laughs) framework that we've given them. Uh, So, for instance, we've gone with React Native Router Flux as our navigator. I know it has Flux in the term, but it's actually Redux, right? Uh, So we call it RNRF. And it's using the new navigator experimental it's uh, very flexible allows all kinds of fantastic abilities and we have some really good examples on how to modify the menu and change the screen a little bit and what we get is after about the third question on the same thing um even though it has really nothing to do with kind of getting you know anything we've written they would need a good React Native Router Flux example, what we do is we note it as, this is what a beginner needs in order to get started. And so we'll make an example just for that. So that way we don't get that question. But also at the same time, like it's hard for us to see where we were uh, a year ago or to see where the project was six months ago and say, what, what exactly would somebody coming to this now need to know? And yeah, we get the opinionated people as well, but they're actually a lot easier to deal with, a lot nicer. They're just really happy to receive all this information, um, you know, right out the bat, right off the bat. And if you take a look at some of our tickets, are actually people saying they start off with "We love this project. This is fantastic. Thank you so much." Now, here's my question. <laughs> so, there's not been an influx of. Of assholes yet. But uh, when we get there, we've got a bit of experience with that too. So uh, <laughs> if it matures to that level, that would be a real milestone. It means that the community is kind of uh, everybody really understands React Native enough to no longer, you know, now they, they just want to see their flavor of code coming in there. And to be truth be told, the more we move towards generators the better we can have people facilitate their own particular needs that may not fit specifically with what we have, but uh, they could always build off of the generators to go ahead and do what they need. Yeah, you know, one of the things I noticed, especially at Reactor, you know, and I keep bringing up reactor Reality because we just got back from it. You know, Nader was there and I, I was there. And um, there's quite a lot of activity inside of React.js for web. And one of the things that we're seeing is that like, it's, it's all brand new in React Native, right? Um, people are kind of coming to this and saying, hey, I tried that for two weeks. <laughs> and I don't know if their two weeks was like my first two weeks, but I would have, you know, if it wasn't for how I was planning on going forward as like a technology, um, it would have been, I would have ran away screaming.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends like, you know, when you came into it, I guess at first, you know, it was very new and there was, it was still a little, I wouldn't say buggy, but there was a lot of things that weren't documented, I guess, that you weren't really um, able to just go out there and, and know how to do. But I think at this point, like, um, a lot of times when I to speak to people coming into it within the last few months, the experience has been really, really nice. Um, That's
1: great. I love hearing so, that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fantastic. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's a, a testament to that. I wrote a while ago, actually, it was requested by Vue, but it was a tweet. He said, oh, uh, you, can you tell me what you don't like about React Native? And I wrote a blog post called Five Things That Suck. <laughs> about oh, yeah, I remember React seeing
0: Native. that tweet, and I do remember reading that <laughs> blog post
1: yeah that was uh that was that was my blog post and I wrote it because it was requested I wrote the one before that was five things that are great about react Native and so this was the it was the antithesis of that and even then it was hard to find you know what the real pain points were but all i'd say i think all five of those original problems. Have been either hedged or or completely fixed since then. So I had to go back and update the blog post, and I have on each one updated. This is no longer the issue; it's all fixed. Updated. This is like better now. They they added this. So that original blog post uh, is now just full of. It's like five things that used to suck <laughs> about React Native. They might well, be well. The good thing
0: about Medium is you can go and update all your uh, your your stuff. You can kind of go in no, and just fast, completely dude. change it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I would say like the, uh, you know, for me, for me, I would say the the main pain points for React Native have been dealing with the native um, like systems as far as um, the native platforms and, and getting like things like the Xcode configuration correct when I've upgraded and and even initial configuration before R N P M was really working really well. And even after, you know, there's still some times when you have to go in and make those changes. So I would just say overall, you know, um, in my experience, dealing with the native platform has been the biggest pain point for me. But it's getting better for sure.
1: Yeah, by far. Yeah, I mean, I love love the changes. Um, Finally, actually contributing just a little bit And, um, you know, things are getting fixed faster than I can think of them. And that's one of the great things about open source that, you know, when everybody's behind it, you know, we really, a rising tide raises all ships. I mean, we're just, it continues to be really impressive at each release. I mean, if you take a look at those release notes, you have to remember, it's been like two weeks since the last one, and there's tons and tons of features and fixes. Kudos to everybody who's constantly working on it and contributing back, Uh, I I love, love, love. And then it also makes my job of love, let's see if any of these things need to be, if I need to go back and modify, sort of like I need to go back and modify blog posts, if I need to go back and modify our Ignite engine, because we used to have, uh, for instance, we used to have some keyboard avoiding code um, that was kind of helpful inside of there, and then they released the keyboard uh, avoiding view, and it's like, all right, well, <laughs> it's time to go back and and change it. Like if you're going to use the latest React Native, you don't need all that template code anymore. You just need to go ahead and load the correct view. Uh, it's been making those kinds of changes make me happy.
0: So I'm kind of curious, um, like who is the ideal? like type of uh, developer, someone that would that would use Ignite and kind of, you know, I guess, like what would they need to do to go ahead and get started with it?
1: All right, so it's geared towards two people, right? Uh, I know it's not good to have like a sort of a dichotomy in your audience, but the truth of the matter is if you're brand new to React Native, right, and you want to see um, just some common mobile technology ready to roll, um, we have just basically come in there and then take a look at it and that seems to be quite a few people who come through are people just starting with React Native. they ignite their new project, they look at everything that gets created, they click through a little bit. We have five or so screens sort of showing them here 's how you do an api call here's how you get device info here's how you uh illustrate your components. And here's how you know you might want to go ahead and do a login screen, little things like that. And then to me, the real the real benefit is the advanced developer. And I love the rapid application development feel, the sort of um hackathon kind of uh I need to get this app out quick. <laughs> and I and I don't need to go through two weeks of uh Boilerplate, and you know, for a fact, like uh, readups and things like that actually have quite a bit of um, boilerplate. You know, sagas will have a little bit of boilerplate. And you don't want to have to go through all that stuff and kind of pull up all your old projects <laughs> and bring it in there. Uh, so, what I love about it is when we, we get a new contract and we need to start off. Um, we are up and running really fast, and that's my latest goal. Is like the advanced developer. How fast can I get them generating new screens, uh, generating a map view, um, working with existing technology? So, like you know, we have it wired into Steve's Reactotron. Like I want that to happen out the box. I don't want you to have to go ahead and open your package JSON add it in and then go through and then add all the ways to wire your API into uh, Reactatron so you can be there. I want you to start your project and things are popping up on Reactotron, and API calls are working to an open source API library and Redux and Sagas are already communicating. I want all those things happening from the get-go and now it's your job to refine and sort of sand away uh, the The pieces that you don 't need and then start really working on the brass and glass of what 's going to make your app um, ideal you know and i it's, I miss that, so uh, that 's sort of like a continuation goal, right The beginners get a lot of information quick, but the advanced developers I want to make that uh, the full process as fast as possible so that you can create your your
2: fun idea app on a weekend. I like that, especially because a lot of the times folks do try to aim their sort of like package or boilerplate towards beginners. I don't think it always works. And I think you do have to go the extra mile to get there. And it sounds like you guys are approaching that correctly. Whereas a lot of folks think just that just, just because they think a certain way you know, and it and it happens to work a certain way for them, that it'll be easy for others to pick up on too.
1: Yeah, no, I agree completely. Uh, you know, one of the things I have to kind of train between, you know, we're an all remote company, and we have people in quite a few different time zones. And just the idea of having to sit down and work with each person is gone. So... Um, it's sort of like we need to continue to stay asynchronous with our methodology. You know, there needs to be a good release notes. There needs to be. We need to treat it like our internal stuff, like a company anyway. Like we're working with everybody anyway. So it just makes sense. We've been doing it for a while. Uh, we have to continue doing it, <laughs> whether we like it or not. If tomorrow everybody says we we can't use this, uh, you know, there's reason X Y Z. Um, we still have to maintain this like there's a thousand people using it, right? We we can't change and turn that off. The only thing we could do is say, we're not using this. We're going to do something else. But the amount of energy and, and opinion that we have, we, we strongly believe in it. So um, we're going to have to maintain this project. Uh, I think that's part of uh, a strong aspect of what the health of, of, of a project is. Like like, uh, how often, you know, we all have that situation where we brought in like a third party library. And then we looked at it in details like, last updated six months ago. <laughs> and like, oh, no, I've become the maintainer of this project. I just felt it. When you see it, I mean, I was working on Ignite last night, just making sure we got all kinds of cool bells and whistles. Uh, and it's really weird for me to be up on a Sunday night, kind of coding on some, some of the stuff. But... It, it's really a lot of passion, a lot of feedback. And uh, I hope that you know more developers come in. And, and I don't want to sound like we don't appreciate when people come in and ask fundamental questions. We really do. It's just that that's one of the things that we we have the most trouble with, is like how are we going to answer all these questions? So the answer is better documentation. So the more people who decide to come in and ask us questions, the better our documentation becomes.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, um, so your company is kind of betting big on React Native. You, uh, you guys basically oh, yeah. do a lot of consulting. Like, you guys, as far as like what your company does for business, you guys take other contracts from companies and you basically build software for them, right?
1: Right. Yeah, we've been we, we subcontract sometimes. We're the top contractor, etc. It kind of depends on what's the need, right? And uh, a lot of people come to us saying, "We've got a web app. We need, you know, we need a mobile app." And uh, we used to have a myriad of kind of technology. We do we could do native, we could do Ruby Motion. We could do all these different flavors. And now, pretty much, yeah, it's like, all right, well, we're going to build this in React Native, and that's what we're going to do. And do you need it in Android as well?
0: <laughs> Can you kind of talk about? the pain points that React Native solved for you guys compared to what you guys were using before as far as Ruby motion. I know we kind of touched on it before, but I'd like to know yeah. like how that core decision came about and things like that.
1: Well, like I said, uh Rubyists and JavaScript developers, uh, they see things very differently, right? So I, I have to don't hate me, but I, I love the Ruby programming language. It you know, from programming for a while, it just reads very clear uh, Seattle-style Ruby. There's all this kind of really great stuff. The concepts are there, right? Now, on top of that, um, Ruby uh, jobs are kind of down. Node context is really kind of where technology is reaching new areas, right? Node and JavaScript are really kind of exploding. And what we're trying to do is uh, when we're looking at what Ruby Motion has, uh, it's by a company called HipBite with Laurent Sancinetti. Um, very great. It's a team of four people. And it's a proprietary closed source project. And uh, Laurent does a great job working on it and building all these different uh, libraries that people can use, as well as we were building libraries as well. But then if you take a look at what uh, what's building React Native, and it's a successful web technology, with over 900 open-source developers uh, contributing, Um, the entire backing of the Facebook team, uh, which is a company way too big to really fail. And uh, it's open-sourced. And if you see something, you can actually get in there. Rather than complaining, you can be a creator. You, know, you can get inside and start building that library, but not just the library that attach and bolt on, but the actual fundamental core of React Native. And that's a real big uh, key for us because you know we're mechanics, we're all mechanics, and uh, being able to get deep inside and work with the engine of what's going on there, uh, that's what we really needed in order to tweak our apps and build things the way we needed to. And then, on top of that, if you toss on a common uh, sort of written JavaScript code that's going to work about 80 to 90% perfectly on other platforms without you even having to worry about it, as long as you remember to stay away from native and write as much JavaScript and use the bridge as much as possible, you get iOS and Android and now universal Windows platforms coming along. You're getting all these things for free, and it's sort of that dream aspect that we've been waiting for for so long. It's what PhoneGap and Cordova have been promising us, and we've been waiting for that actual moment where JavaScript's coming in and finally allowing you to write, you know, native code. And you see things like Electron is, you know, taking off, and you know we have React Native Web, and sort of we're pushing. Our developers no longer have to be a master at Java, Objective-C, Swift, and then doing all these context changes that really kind of, um, that. let's be honest, the customer usually has to pay for. Um, and the developer usually hates life because of. <laughs> it's now just consolidated down into code that you want to read, code that you want to be proud of. And it works. it just kind of works across these different platforms um, and i don't you know I don't subscribe to the fact that I don't subscribe to the the ideal that you don't have to know what's going on under the covers, but what I do subscribe to is it should be easy. it should be easier to do stuff. you don't need to know assembly to write c right you don't need to know all the different aspects. Like I said, I'm terrible at objectivity. I can read it, I can write it, but I don't want to work in that every day. I want to work in um, you know, some code that I'm thinking about, some kind of functional programming paradigm instead, rather than worrying about uh, you know, exactly, is this a UI view or UI view controller? Uh, those ideas are all gone. Now I'm just treating things like you know, web and it's working, and I can just worry about uh, what's really going on to the covers if there's performance issues, and then I can dig in from there. So I I think that where we're going, uh, what we saw is the writing's written on the wall. We needed to jump on this and needed to actually start understanding where this is going and try to help help other people also come along and, and work with us and work with everybody else to figure out how mobile development is really about to
0: evolve. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really good way for us to kind of look into your company and see you know, why you guys made those type of decisions and how confident you guys are in the platform. And I think there's a lot of people that kind of agree with basically everything you just said, especially about the finally hitting the nail on the head as far as getting it right, cross-platform, not having to worry about working with web views and still being able to um, build you know, mobile apps with uh, JavaScript or just any single programming language, really, that actually works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. But uh, so far, every every time, you know, I've I found something, it's the it's the beauty of open source. I can go take care of it myself. <laughs> I can't complain about it because it's, you know, it's become my job to go fix it.
0: So I know you mentioned Reactotron earlier, um, and that's another pretty large project that came from someone that works at your company. And I don't think a lot of people kind of maybe know exactly what it is. Maybe they've heard of it. Maybe they do know what it is. But can you kind of go into what Reactotron is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I already mentioned uh, Steve Kellogg, and he's uh, just a fantastic developer and one of the things that we were doing is the the debugging process can feel i mean, there was about two or three talks recently given on just you know how do you debug this new technology right um you know i wish there were more talks on how do you test it but what we're, we're trying to deal with here is uh how do you debug and work with this and steve came up with a solution uh working with the blessed ui and a terminal based debugger that kind of Got all the information. Um, I know Rom from Microsoft, he gave a talk to React Rally as well. He sort of helped open source some of these uh, tools that allow you to like reach in and identify uh, some of the technology that's going on under inside of the node modules. And it was part of like inside of Packager. And what he's done is Steve has kind of like built this, this sort of way that we've started debugging our apps. And <laughs> He's just gone crazy with it, and the community's exploding around it. Uh, he just recently built an Electron app, which connects into either Web or React Native, and, you know, so React and React Native, and it sort of gives you a timeline flow of exactly what's going on inside your app and connecting in with all this stuff. And it's it's fantastic. And one of the things that he's done is you know just to show his contribution, just. Open source. He's created a group called Reactotron, so the project is Reactotron slash Reactotron, and inside there now it's just uh, it's a community project, but um, sponsored by Infinite Red. So you can go in there, and a lot of I mean, the activity over the past week has been insane. It's it's fantastic for building apps. So if you've not seen the animated uh, GIF. And I'm going to quote React Rally. It's GIF with a hard G. I know that. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be GIF, but I can't change, okay? <laughs> and so it's got all this really great kind of information. And really all it is, is, this is a news feed for what's going on inside your app. And you can build plugins and you know, uh, sort of see the information. John Dott, who uh, manages the awesome React Native repo uh he's working on a plugin right now and he just wrote an article on debugging and he's kind of like doing all these great things with it so we're really excited to see just uh you know part of what we're working on is the developer process and uh it's getting way better if i think of how it was back in january where i'm like trying to get debugging to stop crashing my app <laughs> and i'm sitting here command d or command m and working with this all day and trying to get this back to this is like pre hot loading. And um, now I'll take a look at the experience, and there's a little screen that just tells me all of my reducer information and anything that I'm actually interested in and the development process, that plus constant running tests. I'm starting to feel like a, a real developer again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um... I've taken a look at it. It does seem really, really awesome. I haven't had a chance to use it. In fact, I really didn't even know it used, it worked with React Native actually. So that's awesome to know.
1: Uh, yeah, hey, I mean, you're gonna love it. Uh, let me know, especially anybody out there who's interested in any of the technology, Ignite, Reacttron, etc. hit us up. Uh, we have two Gitter channels um, and we're more than happy to sort of like say, this is, you know, this is what we did and why. And if you can poke a hole in why we chose to go one particular route versus another, uh, we will you know,
2: scientifically reevaluate whether or not we should do it differently.
0: Okay, uh, I think we'll go ahead and get to the picks. Uh, Peter, do you have any picks?
2: Yeah, so I think a really exciting one is Babili. If you haven't seen it yet, it's Babel Minify, um, an ES6 aware minifier that's based on Babel. And it's more or less a series of plugins that do the minification process for you. It's already live on, uh, Fables, uh, repl so you can give it a shot and use it. And it's actually pretty cool the way, um, it works. Uh, definitely check it out.
0: Okay. Gann, do you have any picks?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm reading a book, which I absolutely have to uh, recommend to anybody. It's called essentialism, the disciplined pursuit of less. Uh, I found that most developers don't really need motivational books. Uh, we don't need any kind of get out there and do it. There's a lot of fantastic books that inspire people to work harder uh, and accept more responsibility. Whereas this one by Greg McCown says uh, it's all about priority. And so if you're already a motivated person, uh, I highly recommend take a look at this one. It's essentialism, and it's about how to not add more. To what's going on? But how to cull away uh, and, and focus on the more important things that are kind of happening. And as he's, you know, as I'm reading through this book, everything that he's reading and saying is just like this is exactly uh, a fantastic principle uh, that I'm applying left and right because it's easier to get overworked than it is to um, work on what's important.
0: Yeah, plus one for that book. I actually read that about a year, year and a half ago, and it was uh, one of those books that really spoke to me. And I everything you just said about that uh, is spot on. And I would say the one thing that I got from it uh, as well, and it kind of goes along with what you just said, it's allowed me to say no to more things. Like, you know, before I would feel like I would have to do everything. And now I'm I'm, I'm able to kind of sift through and sort through the things that are most important. And I don't feel guilty about it.
1: It's it's amazing the strategy that he's teaching to go ahead and identify which things are important. It's about time somebody wrote this down. So I'm glad that you like it because I'm only about three-fourths through it. And I wanted to make sure that at the end of it, I was going to be happy. But yes, more thumbs up and plus ones on that the better because it's a great book.
0: Okay, so I have, I think, two picks. My first pick is Goodreads, considering we were just talking about books. Um, if you don't have Goodreads, Goodreads is basically like a social network where you can kind of keep track with all of the books you've read and have them all like kind of um, in one place if you ever want to go back and, and see what books that you liked and maybe want to reread something. It also allows you to um, you know, make friends and, and see what they're reading and, and things like that. So if anyone wants to add me um, as a friend on Goodreads, my username I think is Dabit3. That's D-A-B-I-T and the number three. Or you can Google Goodreads in my name, and I think my profile should show up. My second pick is actually something that Gant brought up earlier. It's a blog post by Dotan Nahun, uh, John Dot. Maybe you might know him on the web. He wrote a really comprehensive blog post about debugging React Native, and I don't think this has actually been done this well ever. So it's, it's going to be like my go-to resource when people ask me about debugging because I think he did just a, a fantastic job Um, about kind of all the different things that you can uh, do to look at performance issues and and go about debugging your React Native app. And he's also written a bunch of um, like open source tooling that goes along with all this stuff. So yeah, check out his GitHub repo and also check out the uh, blog post that he wrote and I'll make sure we uh, link to that in the show notes. Okay, Gant, well, uh, this has been really, really great having you on. Thank you for joining us, and, um, you know, it's been a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you so
1: much for having me, I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, if you ever need me back again, this has been a blast, so I'm excited to uh, come here and be a part of it. Plus, you know, avid listener now since uh, <laughs> I'm listening to all the stuff you've got, so don't talk bad about me. I'll hear it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, everybody go check out Infinite Red's um, GitHub repo. Um, check out Ignite and check out shrine. That wraps up episode 39 of React Native Radio. We'll see you next week.